if there is a question with real staying power in my home, it is this. In which house do you belong? If you were able to put on the sorting hat, what would it learn about you and what would it say? My kids have raised this question many times over the years that we've now lived with one foot solidly planted in the wizarding world, and it's a question that we still return to. They sing the various sorting hat songs. We take and retake the house quizzes. Now, for the uninitiated, let me explain. At Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, the magical boarding school that Harry Potter attends, there are four houses into which the students are divided. Each house has a a distinct character and culture, and they become a source of deep identity and connection for the students. It matters deeply what house you end up in. Now, I don't want to make any assumptions here, but I have a hunch that there are at least some of you who have not taken a sorting hat quiz. But Hogwarts aside, I think that the question it poses is nearly ubiquitous. Where will we find our people? Where will we be comfortable These are questions that people ask naturally all the time. In checking out colleges one might attend, or in interviewing for jobs, in touring retirement homes, in shopping for churches. Do I belong here? Will I find my kind here? As my kids keep inviting me back into these quizzes, I find myself pondering the question, where do we belong? How do we know where we ought to be? How do we make our life there? Perhaps not surprisingly, these questions are not where we start out with Jesus, though. When we catch up with him today, he's already in motion. He's been teaching in the synagogue where last week we watched as he confronted an unclean spirit, as they called it then, which was holding a man captive. Jesus addresses the terror head on, calling it out and setting this person free. And then he and his disciples are off again. They leave the synagogue, this public place that functioned primarily as the realm of men, with men in charge and teaching and leading, and they head to the house of Simon and Andrew. The home, in contrast with the synagogue, was at that time much more the realm of women. Women typically did not have much by way of a public role in this context and culture, but they did lead in the home. They carried authority over the crucial practice of hospitality and fellowship in the home right there. 
And so, in a move that likely surprised folks, Jesus enters right in, not just into the home, but even into Simon's mother-in-law's room, where she lies desperately ill. A fever doesn't necessarily seem like that much to us now, but in the time before antibiotics and other modern medicine, a fever could quickly turn fatal. They all know that. Jesus steps straight into the vulnerability of this critical need held by this intimate space in the home. As he comes into that house, he brings something new to it. He makes it a place of healing for this unnamed woman, Simon's mother-in-law. Now, I want to flag how problematic it can feel that as soon as this woman is healed, she immediately jumps up to begin serving the men here. It makes many of us squirm, and I think with good reason. But I actually don't want to tackle that today, not because it isn't a valid concern and cause for pushback, but mostly because I feel so taken by what happens first and what happens next. Jesus enters into this home and brings healing. I think the scene is even more remarkable than we can readily hear in our text this morning. It sounds like Jesus just gives her a hand, lifting her up out of bed, healed. But the Greek here says more specifically that he raises her. Just as he raises Lazarus from the dead, just as he himself is raised. He raises this unnamed woman also. It is a, a resurrection story with Jesus bringing new life, making all things new, right in the tender center of this home. And then finally the, the news goes out and suddenly the whole town is at the door, presumably to celebrate her recovery and also reaching for healing themselves. It becomes a community affair of healing and resurrection. So there's, there's been some discussion across Christendom for years now about the place, uh, the overlap between Harry Potter and Christianity. And I, for one, I rather think that Jesus would have appreciated Harry Potter. It's full of mystery and great food and humor and striving for good. It's, it's right up his alley. And yet, just as we regular humans spend a lot of time trying to figure out where we belong, what, what house we would be sorted into, so to speak, Jesus turns our desire for control and comfort on its head, right here in this story, as he so often does. The question of who belongs is moot, we see, as Jesus in his, his wonderfully magnetic way pulls the whole town to the door. 
Everyone belongs, and most especially those who are broken and weary and cast aside. And so with that question answered, he seems to embody a different question in this story, one that we are invited to join him in asking, not what house we will belong in, but what belongs in our home, this place where we spend our days. His answer quite simply comes in his response to this unnamed woman. What belongs in your home is healing. What belongs in your house is God showing up and making you whole again when you yourself can do no more, restoring you to life, to your life, and to relationship, and and yes, to service. What belongs in your home is God bringing the resurrection into your life right now. And what belongs just outside your doorstep is the entire community gathered all around, celebrating and supporting you and reaching for healing, all of it. It's a new paradigm, this this way of demonstrating how the home can be a sacred place, how it can contain healing and the holy. I don't know about you, but this comes as such a welcome reminder as we move further into these now many, many months of staying mostly at home. Yes, things slowly seem to be opening up again, bit by bit. And our homes are still going to be the context for most of our days for a long while yet. These places where we lay our heads and eat and bicker and work and study and play, they contain just about everything. So what a wonderful question then for us to begin to wonder about, exploring how we might come to understand our homes as sacred spaces, as places for our healing and for the healing of the whole community. After all, Jesus makes his way into the heart of this home. This is where he heals, where he raises this woman to new life. Even just for a bit, can we set down that age-old concern of if and where we belong? And instead, trust that this healing is meant for all. And welcome it in, here and now. Can we notice how God is showing up in our homes, now and in the long months still ahead? What would it take? How could we learn and practice this way of resurrection in our midst? How can we come to see that what belongs in our homes is this holy gift of healing? 